current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. While Israel rejects a Palestinian state, Hamas trains Russia with drones full of hate. Did Biden really vow to give our jobs to the haters, and why are nearly half of U.S. Jews altering their behavior? Our border has a crisis that's a pestilence of plight, and we'll even see Jesus visit Gaza in the middle of the night. So come along with us as we discuss prophetic crimes. It's a soap opera like none other that we call the Signs of the Times. Our weekly review of Bible prophecies in the world's news for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Hey, you can plan on enjoying Signs of the Times anytime. You can hear us, see us, or share us, read the articles we discuss, ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question, or subscribe to our podcast. When you visit thewaymedia.net, then click Signs of the Times, or you can do the same on the Way Media app. And now here to remind us that it's hard to get in shape when spiritually, that is, if you only work out on Sunday, is Pastor Mark, who recently informed me that scientists have successfully grown human vocal cords in the lab. And the results speak for themselves. Yeah, that's... There you go. There you go. Okay. And that's not so far-fetched anymore, actually. Yeah. We had a weird start to this show, so who knows who's hearing what. Uh, but but we trust that the uh, the executive producer, who is always the Holy Spirit, uh, will guide us and lead us. It's going to be a great time. Man. It's a lot going of stuff to, be, to talk about. Boy, it's you're, be, you're not kidding. It's good. Yes. It's good. It's good. All right, so let's start as we uh, most always do is over in the land of Israel. This is from Fox News, dated February 18th. Netanyahu declares that... Israel outright rejects foreign efforts to create a Palestinian state after the Hamas war. So is he basically saying, hey, listen, after we're done, the answer is still no? Yeah, he is. And, I, and I'm going to talk about this for a minute, explain why. You know, let's read some of this, then we'll talk about this, Greg. Israeli okay. Prime Minister, as you said, he outright rejects it. In the light of talks recently uh, that, uh, in, among the international community about an attempt to unilaterally impose a Palestinian state on Israel, and that's the key, for nations to unilaterally just say there is a state of Palestine and make that come upon Israel, he says, I'm bringing today a declarative decision on this issue for the approval of the government. I'm sure it will be widely accepted. Netanyahu told the cabinet in Hebrews, he's talking to his own cabinet here about what they're going to do in the Knesset or have done. Israel outright rejects international dictates regarding the permanent settlement with the Palestinians, the declaration said. Such an arrangement will be reached only through the direct negotiations between the parties. Without preconditions, Israel will continue to oppose the unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Such a recognition following the massacre of October 7th will reward terrorism. 
a reward like no other and will prevent any further peace settlement. Biden and other U.S. officials have repeatedly said that Israel's war against Hamas should end with a two-state solution, implying that the U.S. would recognize a Palestinian state. Now, wow, where do I begin on this? Um, Here's what's going on, okay? Israel is, as far as I know, the first nation in history, and, and maybe people can correct me if I don't know of something. I certainly don't know all of world history with every nation. But I don't know, Greg, of any nation where other nations around the world have decided we're going to just, like, make you, an existing nation, divide up into two and become two nations. Uh, I think after world wars, you see lands divided up after uh, people have victories in world wars and things like that. And you do see lands transferred over in war in general or when kings or emperors. I know there's that kind of history in the world. But I'm talking about when it's not, uh, uh, it's just regular nations working together uh, and all of a sudden this group decides we're going to impose on you a whole new nation, and now you're going to be two nations. I mean, it's absurd and really arrogant uh, to go to another nation and say, we're going to make you become two nations. You're taking away their sovereignty. You're taking away their ability to uh, make their own choices, et cetera. Now, again, when you think about this kind of thing in this situation, um, it's it's one thing just on a regular nation-to-nation basis, but when you back up and look at the fact that God is the one who made Israel their nation, God has given Israel their land, and, and God is the one that said, don't touch my land. I'm the one that will make the decision about the land, and people come in and start messing with it. There's a real problem. Now you're fighting against God. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to find a, a moment where they can just impose a new Palestinian state. And so they're saying, if we can get Israel to have a peace agreement that'll last even for just a moment, we can come in now and impose a Palestinian state and create this brand new Palestinian state. Uh, So it's absurd on many areas and many levels. But again, I think that the world is planning on just doing that regardless of what Israel says, and, and they don't really care what Israel says. So Netanyahu said, look, I see what you're doing. Even America, who's supposedly our friend in this, and we're just going to say no. We're not going to do that. Now, how that's going to work, what's going to be interesting is, is what if everybody does just impose a Palestinian state and say it's there, and it's going to be in areas where the Palestinians already are, so you don't have to really shift peoples around that much, so to speak. So how do you how do you stop it um, if the world recognizes it at the UN, if everybody starts trading with them, if, if it starts becoming like, I mean, there's not much Israel can do to stop it from happening, I don't think. Um, but it is interesting to watch how this is going to play out. Does Gaza have its own seaport, airport? They do have their own, um, you know, as far as the airport, I, I, I don't know a lot about Gaza. I cannot believe that they don't have an airport. I would be shocked. They have a large stretch of ocean there, so no doubt they have some seaports. They have something they can come in and go out on. I'm, I would I would feel certain they certainly have small airports. They don't have like an – I've never heard of Gaza International. Um, so I don't think they have anything like that, but certainly they do. I mean, if you saw pictures of Gaza before this war, it was beautiful. I mean, the billions and billions of dollars that flowed into there, they, of course, they put most of it underground in their tunnels and in their terror events. Uh, Unfortunately, events. yes. Yeah. But the money that rolled in beyond that, it was beautiful, and now it's just destroyed. So um, I don't think it's going to be Gaza. I don't think they're going to make Gaza. I mean, they may try to make that. Uh, a this Palestine. is more the East Jerusalem, this dividing hey, well, the, the city. Yeah, here's the problem. First of all, Israel doesn't want it, and neither does the Palestinians. Right. And a this lot is of people the world, don't, right? Yes, yeah. a lot of people don't know that. 
Israel obviously does not want them to become a state because they just came in and did this horrible atrocity to their people. They don't want that to be their neighbor, and they don't want to recognize a new nation that just came in and raped and killed their women and men and did all these things and, and just acknowledge and say, okay, now you're our neighbors. Nobody wants that. It'd be like saying you want the person next door to you to be Charles Manson. Yeah. Okay, you don't, nobody wants that. So you're not going to just agree to let Charles Manson move in next door if they put him out you know, on parole or, or whatever. Um, so with that said, they're saying, no, we don't, we're not going to have that. Now, that's Israel's motive. The Palestinian motive is they don't want Israel to exist at all. And so they want to wipe them out, hence the whole river to the sea, that, you know, that, that chant they do. That means kill them all, and, and not just the river, you know, the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, which is what that chant means. Globally. They mean from the top of Israel, Lebanon, all the way down to Egypt, they're saying. They, they want all Jews gone, gone. right? Yeah. So they're not, they don't want a two-state solution either. Now, if they were smart, they would accept a two-state solution and pretend because they would get a huge portion of land, and it's a beachhead to work from. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, so might as well why get what resist that? Exactly. Because what you're saying is, is somehow your God wasn't big enough. It's pride. Our God couldn't completely get rid of the Jews, and our God is Allah, and, and can, we're not going to settle for anything less than what our God has given us, and he's given us all the land. So we're, we're basically saying that we're somehow we're weaker or not as strong or whatever. That's why they're, it's pride. But if they were smart, they would take whatever they could get and then work from there. So... Understand, neither of them want that. Our listeners need to know that. Neither of them want this. But, Greg, they're just going to try to impose it. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be able to do that, but I do think very possibly the Antichrist is going to be the one that comes in. If anybody divides up the land, he's going to be the one to do it. Now, the question comes in, Joel 3. God says he's going to judge the nations for dividing up the land of Israel. I've always just assumed that meant futuristically with the Antichrist. But you could probably make the argument that it might be, well, that's already happened because the land's been divided up by Rome and by all these different people. So when that prophecy reads there, somebody might be able to make the argument that it's talking about something in the past. But when you read it in light of the last days, which is really the context, there is going to be a dividing up of the land. So the Antichrist is going to be the one coming in to do this, I believe. Not, not that something couldn't happen prior to that, yeah. but he's going to be the one to solidify it. So they will divide the land. And God says, I'll judge them because of that. You know, it brings up a question that I've got regarding the, the the root words and the native language as it relates to prophecy, because we've taken a look at like uh, Genesis twelve three, yes, which which God says to to Abraham regarding the nation of Israel, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those that curse you, yeah. and when we go into the the native language, it's it's I I, I think it's referred to as the historical present. It not it not only re, refers to the Maybe that's the wrong one, but it not only referred to that immediate moment that God made that declaration to Abraham, but it means in the future as well. Yeah, and the historical present is actually only oh, in the Greek. In the Greek, okay. And of course, the Hebrew. There, but, there's something for the Hebrew, right? Yes. No, yeah, but what you're talking about, though, because it does talk about things, for example, in the historical present, which means it speaks of it as a historical event. And in the New Testament, it can be talking about something in the Old Testament. But it speaks of something that just that happened then, but it's it's spoken in such a way as though it's still going on. Well, I guess my question is regarding what you said Joel tells us. Yes. Does the language reveal that um you know you know, any time, yeah. essentially any time that someone tries to divide the land, I'm going to punish them. Or is it just language-wise just indicating this is a future event? Yeah. Well, God does make a declaration, though, that anybody that messes with his land and his people are touching the apple of his eye. So that's just a blanket statement okay. that's always in place. Okay. 
But look at the context here. Here's where I say I believe this is referring to, I think, when the Antichrist shows up in the end. But the argument could be made, well, maybe it's referring to some things that happened before that. But I think, if anything, it's both. But listen to what it says in Joel 3, because the context is about the last days. Okay. And you'll see where the confusion comes in. Look what it says. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, that's definitely the very end. That is when Jesus, that's the second coming. The Valley of right. Jehoshaphat gathering is the second coming. But that first part's already happened, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, when I bring back the captives, that's happening right now. Oh, right? I bring see. Back, yes, bring so them back to the land. So that's beyond Babylonian captivity. Yes, yes. Okay. And so it could include that, but, but the, the context is at the very end because of the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Okay. So in context, it's when he comes back, what's happening right now? Okay. okay. And then he goes on and says, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, and that's, that's a, at the second coming. Look what he says whom they have scattered among the nations. Uh, They have also divided up my land, and they've cast lots for my people. And so, again, you could say, well, yeah, they divided up their land in the past, and maybe God's referring to that, so that's very possible. But the context is definitely the second coming when God says, I'm not going to judge them, either for dividing up the land in the past and or both dividing up the land again here in the last days where the Antichrist is going to make this covenant and I, I suspect that we're going to see that it's going to be divided up again by this covenant. Now, again, the only reason I, I bring that up is, is I know that uh, right now I know there's no way in the world they're going to even talk about dividing the land. I mean, that's not even a discussion point. And if they try to go and enforce that and impose that on the nation of Israel, it will be outright rejected, not only by Netanyahu, but by the rest of them. Uh, and so how they're going to work around this, I don't know. Maybe when all the dust settles, the battles are done. And now they say, look, all the bad guys are gone. We're going to divide it up and put good guys here and put them in charge. They can't even decide who's going to lead it and who's going to run it. And everybody's looking at Israel saying, give it back to the Palestinians. And they're saying, are you kidding? They're the ones that came in and did all this to us. We're not going to just turn it back over to them. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all works out. But, um, again, this is keep your eye on this forced Palestinian state on the nation of Israel because that is exactly what the world's trying to do. And – if they can get them to come to a peace treaty here at Ramadan, which is coming up, it's almost time for Ramadan, and that's why they're pushing so hard. Mm. If they can get them to agree to any kind of ceasefire limited due to Ramadan, that's when President Biden and others said they're going to come in and go, well, now we've got peace. Here's the Palestinian state, mm. and, and they implement it. That's the goal. So we'll see if God allows that or not. It's going to get very interesting. Well, and Israel knows this as well. Oh, so, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. They know it. They, oh, yeah. they're, well, but again— the Biden administration, Greg, and others are coming right out and saying it. This isn't hidden. Yeah. They're saying if we can get a ceasefire, we're going to move forward and try to get this uh, Palestinian state in place. Yeah. Okay. Well, leads us into our next category. In Ezekiel 38 in 39 news, this is from All Israel News, dated February 12th. This is according to Ukrainian intel. Hezbollah is training Russian pilots to fly Iranian-made drones at Syrian airbase. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what a soap opera. Well, I've again, ever... yeah, well, you've got Russia, remember, involved yes. in this very closely. You've got Iran involved in this very closely. And Iran really is Hezbollah. They really are. They are, you know, that's their proxy up there in the north yes. or whatever. So what they're doing is, is they're saying, all right, we have the Russians here and, you know, these pilots. We'll train them to use our Iran-made drones and that way, uh, they can also use them in battle as well. And again, this is just furthering this alliance together for this invasion that's coming up anytime with Russia and Iran against the nation of Israel. It says the Lebanese terror group Hezbollah 
together with the Iranian regime's Islamic Revolutionary Guard, has been training Russian drone pilots to operate Iran-made attack drones, according to reports in Ukrainian media on Monday. The flight training is said to be taking place at the uh, Shirat, Shirat Air Base in Syria, roughly 28, uh, 17 miles southwest of the city of Homs, uh, which we've talked about in the past. According to reports citing Ukraine's military intelligence, GUR, uh, the military airport has served the Russian Air Force since 2015 when Moscow entered the Syrian civil war on the side of the Assad regime. So, again, you're just seeing that further alliance being built. You know, it's interesting, Greg, um, Russia has pulled a lot of their troops out of Syria, is my understanding now, and, and shifted that toward the Ukrainian situation there which I find interesting in, again, that prophecy that says, yes, I will turn them back around and bring them back. So <laughs> now we have this kind of Russian turning away. This could be the precursor to that hook in the jaw that brings them back. But either way, they've stayed connected the entire time. They're still very connected. And um, we would expect to see this alliance as they get ready to move on Israel. And, I mean, again, anything could – these wars, um, something to Damascus, um, something about, you know, uh, trying to impose a, a, a Palestinian state and they reject it. Yeah. Anything to get the world mad enough and take action. And now we look at the weakness of our nation where we have literally, I mean, we've had 7 million, they said, um, 7 million that they're reporting is probably more than that, that we know of immigrants come across the border that we don't know about. Undocumented illegal immigrants that have come across, many of them military age males, and there, and many of them Chinese now. That's one of the highest number. There's more Chinese coming across the Mexican border now than Mexicans. They just released that yesterday. So you've got more Chinese coming across the border. And the interesting thing about that, Greg, is you can't just leave China. It's a communist nation. You have to have permission from the government, which means the government is giving permission to tens of thousands of 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 army aged men to leave, and they fly into Turkey, and they fly from Turkey down into Mexico, and then they're crossing the border in Mexico. Uh, and so China is really working with all these people and letting them go. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't know what all this means. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that we're getting weaker and we're more vulnerable to falling from within. If things could change overnight and yeah. we could see this um, uh, this Russian Ar- Iranian battle take place and America may not be in a place to do anything, even if we had a leader that would. Well, speaking of Russia, before we get to our next story, you know, as as Russia is getting pulled out of Syria and back into Ukraine, I also wonder, too, because they are expending a considerable amount of energy resources to fuel the battle. Yeah. So here is Israel sitting on, you know, yeah. prime uh, energy resources right. that, that, right. that I think will become a critical need for Russia, which I think would be just further you know, in, in incentive yeah. for them to participate in the prophecy of Ezekiel. I think so, that's a great thing to point out, yeah. Greg, because, again, they're going to need that energy. And it's, it's the war right machine there. needs energy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's right there across the border. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, here's another reason why the war machine needs energy. This is from Fox News, dated February 22nd. Putin puts the West on notice with a flight on a nuclear-capable bomber. Yeah, he's showing off, you know, some of their, their newer... The bear te- is flexing their its muscle. newer technology here. This is, you know, Putin on the Ritz. The Tu-160M is capable of carrying 12 cruise missiles that can fly approximately 7,500 miles without refueling. Um, Vladimir Putin flew on a nuclear-capable strategic bomber on Thursday in a likely move to flaunt Russia's nuclear capabilities in defiance of the West. Moscow and Putin took a brief flight 
Um, or rather, Moscow, not Moscow and Putin. That'd be a big plane. Moscow said Putin took a brief flight on a modernized Tu-160M bomber, codenamed Blackjacks by NATO. And so, again, they're just showing they're trying to flex some muscle. And look, we have a much greater uh, military as far as weapons and stockpile and all that. But when you talk nuclear weapons, you only need a few of those guys. I mean, I right. don't care. we could have all the best technology and weapons in the world and yeah. have it stockpiled out the out the roof, yeah. right? Yeah. But all you need is just a few really big nuclear weapons strategically detonated, yeah. and we're done. We're uh, done. We used to say in the Air Force that fighters are fun, but bombers make policy. Yes, that's right. That's right. And again, I want to remind <laughs> yeah. our listeners, Greg, this is a sidetrack. I didn't realize we didn't have an article on this, but we had the big phone outage yesterday with AT&T. Uh, across yeah. the nation. I don't know if they, AT&T said they came out with what it was. I haven't read what they said it was yet. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But DeSantis was talking about, hey, this is all the more reason we need to be ready for an EMP and all that electromagnetic pulse, which is a nuclear device that doesn't detonate on land. It detonates in the air. And then again, it takes out all your electronics. But the thing about the EMP is, is that they take out electronics for many, many years. You can't, it takes a while for the I guess the atoms, if everything get back yeah, to exactly. normal, right? Yeah. So I want to just, I know this is totally sidetracked from what we're just talking about in one way, but we're talking about cruise missiles and nuclear weapons, so sure. not completely. But for those of you that are worried and panicked, yeah, we could lose our phones for a while. We could use our computers for a while, but I do not believe we're going to experience an EMP anywhere in the world. And I, and I, again, I say that to, if that gives any peace in the heart of the believers, I may be wrong on this. But my theory is there won't be any EMPs detonated because the Antichrist, in order to be able to control and track everyone, he needs the electronics working. You've got to have data, computers, phones, satellites, Wi-Fi, what, internet. What's going to link to the everything. mark? I mean, yes. so if I don't think that that I don't think that God would Bluetooth. Go, yeah, God's not going to do it, and I don't think Satan wants to do it because he realizes if he starts detonating EMPs then he can't control mankind. So I think we can at least rest on the yeah. EMP issue to some degree. Would you say that although that kind of talk kind of fits into the whole category of uh, what Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 in terms of wars and rumors of war, like a rumor of this happening and yeah. a rumor of that happening. Sure. Could it sure fit it could. into that? Absolutely it could, yeah. I think there's a, that's directly, a, that is most certainly an application because that's what people will be talking about, you know, about what could happen. Right. So, yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. But I think we have to realize the world's not going to be wiped out with mm-hmm. nuclear weapons. We know nope. that because the Bible says we're still here when the Lord comes back. And secondly, in the EMP thing. Now, there may be a limited there may be, you know, America could be attacked by nuclear weapons. That could happen. I'm not saying there couldn't be a nuclear device go off. We've already seen that happen on on you know Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So I'm not saying that couldn't take place. What I'm saying is, is that you're not going to see. Uh, something where all the electronics of the world are permanently cut out and removed, um, and you're not going to see a total destruction of the earth by nuclear weapons because it doesn't fit into the end-time scenario and what the Bible tells us is going to happen. Right. That's very true. All right. Our last uh, article in this category comes from Fox News dated February 22nd. Iran sends Russia ballistic missiles capable of striking nearly 450 miles away. So I guess this kind of fits into the last article, Iran and Russia really working together to equip each other for mutual uh, fun in Israel. Yeah, because, look, I always think about Russia being a greater military power by far than Iran. And it's like Iran's helping them by sending them ballistic missiles. But that shows you how depleted I think they are because of the Ukrainian war. Yes, I think you're exactly right. I think a better headline, Iran goes ballistic. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I like that. Yeah, that'd be better. See, I should have worked that into the intro. Either way. You need to write the intros from now on. That (laughs) was good. That was good. No, actually, your your intros are better than your jokes. (laughs) All right, anyway, Iran has provided Russia with a large number of powerful surface-to-surface ballistic missiles. (laughs) 
Six sources told Reuters deepening the military cooperation between the two U.S. sanctioned countries. Iran's provision of around 400 missiles includes many of the from the Fatah 110 family of the short-range ballistic, uh, such as the Zulfagar, three Iranian sources said. This road mobile missile is capable of striking targets at a distance between 300 and 700 kilometers. That's 186 to 435 miles, experts say. Again, I think the larger um, um, point here, Greg, is the one that you just made, and that is if Russia is having to receive missiles from Iran, that shows you that Russia is is they're using up some of their um, military might. Now, again, we are as well. You know, the only one right now that is a major, major world power that's not using up a lot of their might is China. Uh, and so that's not a good thing to leave them with all their weaponry in place. And everybody else kind of, you know, you've got America using theirs up, at least to some degree, giving it away yeah. in Ukraine. You've got Russia using theirs in battle. You've got Israel using theirs. I'm not saying that we don't still have stockpiles. Right. But Russia just kind of sitting yeah. on theirs right now, you know, making their plans and, and flying spy balloons over America, yeah. seeing where we are. Now, I don't know uh, exactly if anything is currently happening, but, you know, another war or rumor of war was that of China invading Taiwan yeah. and bringing it back into the mothership, so yes, to speak. Yes, It made me think about that when you talked about China not depleting any of its military resources. So, and, and Taiwan would be so small, I can't imagine them really using anything large scale yeah. to take over Taiwan. It would be more small arms infiltration, right. I'm assuming. But we don't have an article on it. I'm just wondering, since you are a news hound, yeah. I wonder if there's anything out there that you've seen lately, uh, murmurings of them actually doing it. Oh, yes. They're still, okay. they're still, Greg, they're in position. They've got battleships. I mean, they, they are in position, and they still, from time to time, fly these missions with these fighters and stuff into that area right at Taiwan just to kind of taunt... And I, I still believe, look, I'm not going to say, and the Bible doesn't tell us, and I'm not going to say it's going to, but I think there is a very, very high probability they will take Taiwan before the next election because they realize that if President Trump gets back in, and if we have elections again, um, President Trump is going to win. You know, I mean, again, I, I know knows? what you're saying. Yeah, anything could happen. But, I mean, if nothing weird happens, he's going to win. Yeah. The, the margins are too huge. And they realize if he does, I don't think he they're not, they're not going to feel confident just going to take Taiwan with President Trump in there, uh, you know, with an axe to grind. I'm back and we're going to get things, you know, in tip top order. They fear him. They don't fear President Biden. Nobody does. But they do fear President Trump because he has backed things up with his word. I mean, we, we saw what he did to Soleimani, Iran's uh, Revolutionary Guard, you know, uh, commander took the guy out, the top guy. You know, with a with a, a drone attack, either that or I forget how it was the attack came, but took him out. I mean, that's gutsy. Um, and so they know he's not afraid. He's got a backbone. Whether you like him or not, he's not afraid, and he's got a backbone. Uh, president Biden, and I don't want to be disrespectful to our president. I want to sp- say this right before the Lord. He does not have the courage that President Trump has to do some of the things that need to be done in the world setting today. And so I think they know that. And if they're going to move, I think it's going to be in the next few months. It wouldn't surprise me by the summer at the latest to see uh, China try to take Taiwan. We'll see. Okay. Well, that's Pastor Mark, who is putting on the prophecy writs for us, helping us understand (laughs) the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville. We are a weekly broadcast, radio broadcast, that is, that will become podcast number 299, available to subscribe and listen through wherever you get your podcasts. And now... You've got me. We have one listener question this week, Pastor Mark, and this comes from Michaela. 
who enjoys signs of the times somewhere in California. Yes. Assuming she's wanting to remain incognito in the entire state. But her question is regarding the pit. She says, I'm currently listening to your study on Ezekiel in chapter 26. You scratch the surface on the pit mentioned in verse 20. This doctrine slash theology of the pit has always confused me. Can you please explain the compartments of the pit and what happened after death before Jesus died for us on the cross? I've heard lots of different names like Hades, Sheol, Tartarus, Gehenna, Paradise, Heaven, and Hell. What do they all mean? And what's the difference? Please break it down. You also mentioned Jesus going to the pit after his death. Can you explain that a little further? Yeah, what a great question. Great question. It it is confusing. It is. And to take some time to explain this so that we can really understand what the Bible says. um, You know, the first question we need to answer whenever we talk about these different compartments and places and all this is, um, uh, first of all, we have to recognize that hell, no one is in it yet. Revelation tells us that hell is is a lake of fire, and it appears to have been created. It's there. It's already created, the Bible tells us, but no one is in it yet. And you say, well, if no one's in it, where do, where do the bad guys go when they die? Well, they go to this pit that we're going to talk about here in just a moment because it'll be later that they'll be cast into the lake of fire. We know that the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown in first. Revelation tells us that. And then the next one to be thrown in, a contestant number three, will be Satan himself. He'll be thrown in at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. And then after the final judgment of all mankind, they call it the great white throne at the end of Revelation, then all those who don't know God will also be thrown in there, and then we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. So understand, no one is in hell yet, although it is created. Um, That is typically when the Bible refers to Sheol, it is typically referring to either the place of the dead or that futuristic lake of fire, okay? So that's kind of the Sheol idea is the eternal place of judgment. Hades is a very different place in Scripture. It is referring to this this pit or this holding tank that the Bible tells us is in the center of the earth, and it is broken up into different compartments. And, and, and also, we have to realize the Bible calls it the pit, the bottomless pit, all these things. And you say, how could it be bottomless? Well, it's bottomless because it's round. It's at the center of the earth, which is round, and a round container is bottomless. There is no bottom to a round surface it just keeps moving around so you only have a bottom to it in that sense and interestingly enough scientists tell us that because of the um um you know magnetism and polarity and and rotation and all that um unbelief i'm talking about unbelieving scientists they say that at the center of the earth there is no gravity so if you're at the center of the earth it would be just like being in outer space so you just kind of float so you have a, a double thing going on you're kind of there's no real bottom to it and because it's round it's in the center of the earth and, it, it you're, you know, you're just kind of there, kind of a, a floating, if you will, in this place that kind of holds in place. That would be unsettling, would it it's, not? It certainly would be. Now, again, I don't know whether or not people are down there, the spirits are down there floating. If you're a spirit, you probably don't float. Uh, I don't know how that goes. But the bottom line yeah. is, is that what it does is it just further brings out the point that there's no bottom to this thing. Okay. Right. It's just kind of there. And even if you did fall, as some say, well, there may be some level of gravity it, because the earth's turning, you'd never reach the bottom. Because at the size that it would be in the center there, you just kind of would keep falling. So there's all kinds of horrifying thoughts about what this place yes, could be like. Yes, exactly. But we do know there's some level of, of, of normalcy because of the conversation that we see with Lazarus and the rich, rich man in Luke 16. But now let me, let me not get too sidetracked on all these things. So here's the, the first question is, nobody's in hell. We talked about that. The next question to answer is, where did believers and unbelievers go 
before the cross. First of all, where did where did um, where do unbelievers go now? Well, unbelievers can't go. They're not in the lake of fire. They can't go to heaven. So unbelievers go now to a, a holding tank until judgment day. And that is this pit we're talking about. And we'll get more to that in just a moment. The Bible refers to that. We'll see a scene of it in just a moment in Luke 16. But where do believers go when when they died before the cross? Because Jesus said, no one has seen the Father but the Son. Of course, he was including the angels. We know that he referred to the angels had seen him. But he's talking about among mankind, no one had seen the Father but the Son while Jesus walked on the earth. And also the Bible tells us that he alone is the door into heaven, and that door had not been opened yet by the blood of Christ. So he himself confirmed no one has gone to heaven prior to the cross. So if no one went to heaven prior to the cross, where's paradise? Jesus said to the men on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But Jesus didn't go back to heaven until 40 days after that. So there has to be a separate place that he referred to as paradise. Also, it's referred to as Abraham's bosom. And the believers would go there, Greg, prior to Jesus dying on the cross. And Jesus gave us an example of that. It apparently is a supernatural paradise that God created in the center of the earth. How do we know it's in the heart of the earth? Because Ephesians tells us, well, Jesus said he would descend to the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And then Ephesians and Hebrews tells us that he went down to the, uh, in the earth and preached to the spirits in prison. So it would appear that he went down there and told the believers, hey, it's me. I'm the promised seed. You didn't know my name, but you believed in a promised seed from, Gen- from Genesis chapter 3. And you believed that I would come one day, your Messiah. Here I am. And so I'm introducing myself. And he met them, and they met him. And there was probably great rejoicing in this in this paradise when he told the man on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. They both descended to the heart of the earth, uh, the, going down to this uh, uh, supernatural paradise where, uh, again, uh, it tells us about it in, in um, uh, Hebrews and also Jesus himself and, he, and, and Ephesians. And he gives them the gospel. And then it says he brought them all back up with him after he resurrected. He brought them with him, and then they all went back to heaven with him after that. And so now, where do we go now? So when believers die now, Michaela, used to, up to Christ, it was in that holding tank in the center of the earth that Jesus called paradise on the cross, okay, to the, to the man that got saved there. But then now after we die, the Bible says that our spirit goes straight to be with the Lord in heaven. So ever since the cross, there have been people now in heaven, multitudes in heaven, and that's where we go. And I want to read just a couple of verses out of 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, actually uh, 6 through 8. Paul says, so we're confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. But we're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he's saying, right now we're in these bodies. Our spirit is is in this casing. But when it leaves this casing, when this body dies, we now go to be with the Lord. And we know that he's now in heaven at the right hand of the Father because he's reascended. So if you die now as a believer, you go straight to heaven. If you died as a believer before the cross, you went to this paradise in the center of the earth, which is one of three compartments that we know of that were down there. Um, What was the other compartment? Well, you read Luke chapter 16. And it talks about the rich man and Lazarus. It says that Lazarus was saved. He was a believer. When he died, the angels took him, it says, to Abraham's bosom. That is where Abraham was and all the Old Testament saints, which was paradise, as Jesus identified later on the cross. So he goes to paradise, and we see the rich man goes to Hades. Okay? Or let me, let me take that back. Hades could just be referring to everything in there, and then it's broken up in these different apartments but it, it tends to lead toward Hades being just this place where the, the, the unsaved dead are, if you will. He goes in that compartment that's hot. 
So they're side by side. One of them is miserable. One of them is like a paradise. But there's a great chasm between the two. Yes, they're not there's a like chasm. up against if, each other. If you read yeah. Luke 16, and Michaela, I encourage you, go back and read Luke 16. And Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus. And it says that when the rich man died, he went to Hades. And when, the, when Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom, which we now know is paradise, as Jesus called it. And they start talking to each other. So that, now the scene gets more intense. It shows that he says there's a chasm that separates them. But they can see each other, apparently, and they can talk to each other. So it's not so far they can't hear each other. But he said you can't pass back and forth. So there is this, there's like this invisible force field down there separating the Considering two. Considering this is spirit, yes. Yeah, 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 separating the two compartments, but the spirits are locked in like the old Star Trek, you know, where they yes. could, the, the, the force fields, yes. right? So they're both on either side talking to each other. Uh, the, the, it says that Lazarus is in, is in paradise, right, enjoying himself, and the rich man is in torment, and we know that it's hot. It's not the lake of fire yet, but it's hot, which the center of the earth would be, unless it was supernaturally made into a paradise. We know that it's hot because he said, could you send Lazarus over? He starts talking to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, could you send Lazarus over to just wet my tongue, you know, with some water? I'm, 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 I'm in misery over here, you know. And he says, look, son, while you had, you had your chance on the earth, you had all your pleasures, and you denied God, and now you've got the consequences. Now Lazarus was with, without all those pleasures, but he acknowledged God, and now he has his reward forever. Which, again, you want to have your reward forever. You don't want the temporary reward here. So you, you see the two compartments, paradise slash Abraham's bosom, where all the people before the cross went, believers, Ezekiel, Daniel, David, they were all down there. Then you have the other side that's hot, where all the wicked people went prior to the Lord. And so Jesus emptied it out, it says in Ephesians. He led captivity captive, and he took them back up to heaven with him, and they were there. And now we all go to be with him in the kingdom. So what that means is, is that, again, even as we just read, as believers, when we die, we go straight to be with heaven now since the cross has taken place. But here's the, here's the thing, that, the scary thing, Greg, that's so sobering. Anybody who dies without Christ today, they still descend. Their spirit descends to the heart of the earth and enters Hades, that hot place. And they're just held there in this hot, miserable, dark holding tank until they get called up before God at the end of Revelation for the great white throne throne judgment, judgment, and then they're cast from there into the lake of fire. So it goes from bad to To worse. Once you're in Hades, there's no escape, and now your only future is the lake of fire, and it's eternal. That's scary. So that's why we have to make decisions for Christ prior to death. That's why Paul said, we plead with men everywhere because of the great fear fear of the Lord and, and, and the great power of the wrath of God. Okay, now... There is another compartment. So now we have uh, paradise slash Abraham's bosom. We have Hades, the hot part. It could encompass all that under Hades, but the hot part of that area. And there's a third one called Tartarus that Michaela brought up. Tartarus is mentioned one time in the Bible in Second Peter. And Peter talks about the fact that the angels that got cast into the pit before their time, that is, they left their proper domain. It would appear from the reference that Peter made and the, uh, there as well as in Jude, that these are angels that um, left their proper domain and inappropriately um, had relations with earthly women, which created the giants that we see in Genesis chapter 6. The Nephilim. The Nephilim, that's right. And, uh, or the NBA, uh, we call it today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> they the, are very tall. Yes. I think in NBA said Nephilim Basketball Association. Association. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Okay. 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 Anyway, so you have the Nephilim. Okay. Now. Um, they were they were taken early to the pit and locked up. So they were they, the demons. These are fallen angels. They were able to roam free till they left their proper domain. They intermingled with women there in Genesis six, 
God put them down this in, in their own separate holding tank called Tartarus. If you read it in Peter, it'll say the word hell. But if you look it up in the Greek, it's the word Tartarus. Um, and so it's the only place mentioned, but it's also a third compartment of that pit. And what's interesting about that is, well, you see, when the when the demons would talk to Jesus, they would say, don't throw us in the pit before our time. Mm. The demons, there's, there's places in the gospel where the demons would panic and they'd say, don't, don't throw us in the pit. They didn't want to go to Tartarus with the rest of their buddies that had already been thrown down there until judgment day. But now, get this, there is going to be a slight reprieve for those in Tartarus during Revelation. Because the Bible tells us in, in Revelation that the earth is going to open. There's going to be some opening in the earth, and demons are going to come out of the earth and torment men for five months, stinging them like scorpions. Well, those are the demons that are currently held in Tartarus. Tartarus. They're going to be released for the judgment of God. They'll get some relief from their pit, if you will, for a while. They'll come out. They'll do their damage here on the earth during the Great Tribulation. And think about they talk about a wet hornet. They're going to be yeah. mad. And I mean, just think about the damage and God letting them do damage. Yeah. This is why you don't want to be here during the Great Tribulation. No. And so they're going to do that. And then once the Great Tribulation is done, then they also will be thrown into the lake of fire uh, with all the with, with Satan and the false prophet, the Antichrist, and everybody else that has rejected God. They'll be thrown in the lake of fire as well. Um, they'll be thrown in probably right away. You'll have the uh, people who, who are still held in Hades. They, they won't be thrown until the very end at the, the Great White Throne Judgment for a thousand years. So that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. But now we see we have the three compartments. Uh, paradise that Jesus talked about on the cross slash Abraham's bosom. They descended down there, led captivity captive, brought them out. Uh, you have the other compartment that's hot where you have Lazarus and the rich man talking back and forth. Then you have Tartarus that Peter mentions, and it's in relation to the angels that were locked up before their time because they rebelled. We see in Revelation they'll be released and all this going on. Uh, so kind of I hope this clears it up. A lot of information. But let me say one more thing. A lot of people try to say, well, no, you can't take Luke as a literal story. That's, that's a parable. Luke is not a parable. When it talks about the rich man and Lazarus, here's how we know. Jesus never used any real names or real truth in parable. There were truth, but it was simply set. he used stories to make a point. Yeah, not uh, actual people. That's right. He actually names a guy by name. He said Lazarus. And so if there's not a real Lazarus, Jesus just lied. So we know that the story in Luke, because Jesus would never lie and could never lie, uh, for he's holy and righteous in all ways, there was a real man by the name of Lazarus. You say, well, then why didn't he name the rich man? Because the Bible says that the name of the unrighteous will be blotted out forever. And so when God recorded it in his eternal word, he didn't mention his name because it's to be blotted out. So you have this whole picture of this. It's not, don't let people tell you that's a parable. It might even say it by the editors in your Bible. That's not in the Bible. That's by the editors. That, so it's a real place. Those are real places. And I hope you understand now. Um, hate, I mean, you know, the hot place, Hades, whatever, uh, Paradise and Tartarus. And before the cross, everybody there, after the cross, believers in heaven, unbelievers still down there now, and then one day we'll all be in the kingdom together other than those that don't make it in. So hope that clears it up. Hope so, too, Michaela. <laughs> Thank you so much for your question. And if you have a question like Michaela, then just visit the Signs of the Times through the WayMedia.net or the WayMedia app. All right, let's uh, come back to America for episode 299 right here on Signs of the Times. This is from Breitbart.com, dated February 14th. Biden shields Palestinians from deportation and vows to give them your job. Wow, think about this. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this, Greg, and I know that not everybody in the Palestinian territory is, is, is like Hamas. Yes. I understand that. Yeah. But how many people are with Hamas that have come to America now and they would like to do to us what they did to the Israelis? 
And we are not only accepting and accepting them and letting them come in, which, by the way, no other nation is letting them do because they know how how bad it is. You know, they're blocking off Egypt and always won't take any of them. We're bringing them in and saying, now you can't deport them. We're going to protect them and give them jobs. Look, I know some of them are probably great, wonderful people. I'm not saying that. But you know there's also some bad guys mingled in with that, and we're basically giving them protection here in the States. And what's you know what's going to happen? I hope nothing. Well, let me read some of this. Uh, President Biden is shielding Palestinians in the United States from deportation while authorizing the Department of Homeland Security to loosen work requirements to funnel them into American jobs. On Wednesday, he issued a memorandum uh, uh, to the DHS and the State Department providing most Palestinians in the U.S. with, I quote, deferred enforced departure for at least 18 months. Ultimately, the memorandum ensues or ensures rather that most Palestinians cannot be deported from the U.S. over the next year and a half. Um, he says, I'm directing the deferral of removal of certain Palestinians who are present in the United States. Uh, Biden writes in the memorandum, I've determined that it is in the foreign policy interest of the U.S. to defer 18 months to them. Also, the memorandum authorizes the DHS for employment of non-citizens. Now, let me just say this again. I want to reiterate this again. We, we should be praying for the people of Gaza. We should be praying for Hamas. Look, they brought judgment on their own heads, but, but, but God's will would be that you may not like this, but God's will is that they would be saved. God doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, they may have consequences, but God desires they be saved. So we should be praying for salvation of Hamas. We should be praying for salvation of anyone over there that has ill intent toward mankind or God in, in general. But here's the thing, and I know that there are some Palestinians, again, probably wonderful people, that do need this help, and this can be a great help to them. So I want to be clear on that. But to just do a blanket statement to say, if you're a Palestinian, you get to stay here and work, there has got to be a higher level of, of vetting to search these people out and say, well, who are they? I hope they're doing that, Greg. I hope they're looking and saying, okay, well, we're giving you this blanket thing, but we're going to find out what your background is, who you're connected to, because we may have just given a blanket protection and jobs to terrorists who want to kill us and before the 18 months is over may do so. So, again, this kind of stuff to me, I hope there, I hope somebody is directing this in a way that is going to be protecting the American people and not just doing something that's political on the surface. Okay. Our uh, next article from America comes from Fox News, dated February 19th. Biden to go to the U.N. Security Council to force a temporary ceasefire on Israel and halt the Rafah offense. Now, again, remember, we talked about this earlier. Why do they want to try to force a ceasefire? Because that's the window, Greg, to bring in a forced Palestinian state. You've got to understand what's going on behind the scenes to read what's going on on the surface or to understand what's going on on the surface. Again, the administration is said to have proposed a draft in the U.N. Security Council resolution, which will call for a temporary ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. Now, I haven't heard the latest on this because this is back on the 19th. I was trying to see the latest. I saw nothing in the news on it, but it determines that under current circumstances, a major ground offensive into Rafah would result in further harm to civilians and their further displacement, including potentially into neighboring countries. Now, they don't want them to go into Rafah because that's where all the bad guys, their leaders, are now uh, being forced to. And Israel says, we're going to go in and clean house completely. They're trying to protect these leaders. I mean, there's a lot going on here that's not very above board. A senior administration official speaking to Reuters on condition of anonymity said, we don't believe a rush to a vote is necessary or constructive and intend on allowing time for negotiations. So we know, we're, we're, going to try to, we're going to present this to the U.N., but not, we're not trying to rush a vote. Right. On Friday, President Biden made clear his feelings about Israel going into Rafah, saying, I'm hoping that the Israelites will not make a massive land invasion. I'm hoping they will, because we've got to clean out Hamas. That's me saying that. Uh, again, the, lastly, it says, the world must know, Hamas leaders must know if our hostages are not home by Ramadan, 
The fighting will continue to expand in Rafah, said Benny Gantz, an Israeli, uh, an Israeli security cabinet member of the opposition party. And Ramadan starts in March, or starts March 11th. Now, what's interesting, again, remember, Ramadan's a month holiday for the for Islam. And so they're saying, hey, we're trying to use this as a as an avenue to bring in a peace treaty during Ramadan. And then, come on, guys, show a good gesture. Well, that sounds good on the surface. But when you know they're trying to bring in a Palestinian state and it gets time for the enemy to regroup and get away, Israel's saying, no, no, no. And Gantz and others are saying, look, if we come to Ramadan and this thing's not done, we're still moving forward. Ramadan, there will be war during Ramadan, so don't get your hopes up. I say, way to go, guys. Hold your course. Continue on because you've got to take care of business. And yeah. this this is a spiritual battle, and, and it's spiritual and political. But Israel's got to take care of business. All right, uh, looking at some growing anti-Semitism news this week. Uh, this is from Fox News, dated February 13th. This is a survey. Yeah. Nearly half of U.S. Jews have altered their behavior to avoid anti-Semitism. Yeah, nearly two-thirds, it says here, of the Jewish Committee of Prominent Advocacy Organization conducted the survey last fall after the October 7th event. And the number of American Jews uh, that feel less secure jumped to 22% more than it was before that. This year's study shows us very clearly that anti-Semitism was really just a simmering flame uh, that's now burst into a five-alarm fire. Mm. Uh, and that's the truth. So, yeah, think about it. You Good know, Greg, way to put that. Well, think about it. Look, you walk down the streets, like New York City, for example, yeah. and wear your yarmulke, your, your little head thing. Whatever. Yes. I mean, you're basically, you're basically, to a lot of people, a target saying, come and whack me. Come and do something to me. Hit me, you know. And so they're trying to be faithful to what they believe. But, again, the, the pressure is increasing. It's a serious deal. And so, I, you know, we need to stand with the nation of Israel. We need to stand with the Jews. We love them. We support them. And we need to be doing that. Why? Because God commanded us to. And anybody that says otherwise doesn't understand their Bible. They are deceived, and they don't understand their Bible. God made it clear it's an eternal promise, and he will reward those who stand with Israel, regardless of, of what Israel, you know, good or bad. God said, just stand with them. I'll sort out the good and bad. You just stand with them because they're my chosen people. And those who do that will be blessed. Those who don't do that will be cursed. And again, that's exactly what uh, I, you know, again, I, we see happening in our world today. But my heart goes out to the Jewish community that can't simply live in freedom, even in America, without worrying about reprisal. Well, let's go to the U.K. and find some more anti-Semitism. This is from Breitbart.com, dated February 16th. Anti-Semitic incidents at their highest level ever yeah. recorded in the United Kingdom. Yeah, again, there were some 4,103 anti-Semitic events in the UK last year, the highest number ever, um, by a considerable margin, it says. And the majority of those came in the final two months of the year after the Hamas attack. So, again, just we're noting this for our listeners, you're seeing a steady increase in attack and hatred of the Jews and the nation of Israel. And I'm telling you, when we stand before God on that day, for those of you that stood with Israel, there is a great reward waiting. It may not be fun now to jump your, to throw yourself into the ring and get beat up because of another people group. Because look, as a Gentile, if you start defending Jews, you're going to take the hits to Jews, maybe not as badly, obviously, but they're going to shoot at you too and attack you as well, so to speak. Not shoot maybe literally, they might, but I mean, as far as just the spiritual realm and even the attack coming from the world. But Jesus said this, those who stand with my people, the Jews, there's going to be a great reward on that day. You read Matthew 25. He says, if you did it to them, you've done it unto me. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I believe there's a special reward for everyone that will suffer now to take the joy later. And you know what? I'll, I'm, I'm all in. Nobody likes to suffer. I'm no brave hero, and I don't like it more than anybody else. But I'm willing to take the hits for my future Jewish brethren and for the Jewish people because Jesus said to and God said to and we're going to stand with them. Yeah. Well, it's uh, normally never good when a reporter becomes the news, but in this case, he did. 
Uh, this is from the Times of Israel, dated February 19th. An Indiana freelance reporter has been charged for threatening to, quote-unquote, kill every Jew yeah. in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes, this is dated 1945 Berlin. <laughs> yeah, it might as well be, right? This is Fort Wayne, Indiana. I know. Today. Middle America. I mean, the, the heartland. So you could say the heartland of America. Shocking. Freelance reporter, Fort Wayne, Indiana, facing five years in federal prison after allegedly threatening to kill every Jew in the city and shoot every pro-Israeli U.S. government official, according to federal affidavit filed this week. Um, Jeffrey Stevens, 41, is charged with posting threats using interstate communications, which carries a maximum of five years in federal prison. Again, he was first reported to the FBI of multiple concerning Facebook posts following October 7th. Again, you're going to see more and more of this as the hatred toward the Jews grows. It's spiritual, but it's going to continue. All right, our smorgasbord of yuck, pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Yes, I can hit these quick. Yes, uh, takes us to, uh, we're, we're fine. Uh, takes us to ABC News, dated February 20th. The U.S.-Mexico border has a problem, and it's, this time it's not about the people crossing it, but it's 100 billion gallons of toxic sewage yeah. is creating a public health crisis. Yeah, and the reason I left this in here is because of the last day's plagues yes. increasing. This could certainly play into that. Absolutely. South San Diego County uh, is in a total state of emergency related to the uh, transboundary pollution in this public health. It's a public Tra- health ticking Did you just tunnel. say transboundary? Is, it, it is that what it says? It says tran- okay. transboundary pollution. Okay. Yes. Well, it said it's a, tick- a, a ticking time bomb, again, the boundary of U.S. and, and, and Mexico. Yeah. Um, and so it says we're living in conditions that nobody in this great nation should be living in. Over the last, you're going to see more and more of the decline of America, guys, just yes, get used to it because, because we've turned from God. Yes. Over the last uh, five years, 100 billion gallons of untreated sewage Industrial waste and urban runoff have been dumped into the Tijuana River. And again, you can imagine this is it's a huge deal. And you're going to see more of the disease and all these things from last days. But again, in our nation, because, again, the blessing of God is being removed. Yeah. Uh, You know, well, it makes me think about when you talked about turning away, when we think about the witchcraft that is in this country that comes by uh, pharmacia through rampant drug use, pornography is also linked linguistically back to witchcraft. Yes. Um, you have people uh, not only just denying God, but extolling sin um, and, and, and doing bad things against God's chosen people, the Jews. That's right. I mean, it's a, I don't know, it's just a recipe for just utter destruction. It really is. Again, remember, God said, I'll bless those who bless yes. you and curse those who curse you. The problem is our president is now cursing Israel. And that means we, we reap the benefit. By the way, have you noticed as he turned more on Israel, he's dropping more and more in his health and more and more in his popularity. Again, God cannot bless that and God won't bless it, but we also suffer the consequence. Yeah, we sure do. All right, let's get to some good news. This is great news. I wanted to get to it. That's why I want to make oh, sure I fan, yes. and we're fast we're, enough. We're, we're okay. We're good. All right, we're, good. we're okay. All right, this is from uh, ChristianHeadlines.com dated February 19th. 200 Muslims in Gaza reportedly accept Christ after seeing him in visions and dreams. How many times have we talked about this already, Greg? Many. Yes. And it's so encouraging every time. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get old because, guys, listen, here's the deal. Where the gospel can't get in through the regular missionary, God goes in supernaturally. People say, well, it's not fair that everybody hadn't heard the gospel. I guarantee you it's going to be fair on Judgment Day. The Lord is going to make sure that everyone has an opportunity 
uh, in some form and fashion. And this is just another thing that magnifies it. We've been hearing stories for years about God coming to Muslims and others in dreams and revealing himself and them getting saved. Here's another one. But in mass, 200 at one time, approximately 200 Muslims, it says, in Gaza, recently came to Christ after they saw Jesus in visions and dreams and realized that they had shared the same experience according to a new report from the region. Tasir Saada, a Muslim-turned-Christian who authored the book Once an Arafat Man, recounted the incredible story of an interview uh, with CBN saying he believes God is on the move in Gaza amidst war with Israel. Saada once, was once an aide to Palestinian leader Yasser, uh, Yasser Arafat, who died in 2004. Saada also was a sniper for the PLO while he served there. About He said, and I quote, about 200 Gazans gave their heart to Jesus in one lump sum. I love the way he said that because the Lord appeared to them in visions and dreams and they were hugging each other and rejoicing and realizing that all of them had had the same vision together. It just reminds me of the early, it reminds me of the day of Pentecost. It is a truly supernatural Bible top miracle. You'd be yes. reading, you reading this out of the yes. Bible. It should be an act yes. or something. Despite all the destruction that's taking place, he said, I believe God has a purpose. And this, this, this sums it up, has a purpose to get the Palestinians in Gaza to wake up and look at a different alternative to what they have believed. Many Muslims are looking for an alternative to Islam. I do believe we're going to have a lot of revival, a lot of believers coming through. It's already happening today. Now, we talked about, Greg, how God is using the whole war in Israel to turn their hearts gradually toward him, to, to begin to break them down and have them call on the God of Israel. God is using this whole October 7th attack, as horrible as it was by Satan to do it. God is now taking ashes and making beauty and using it to turn the nation to him. But he's doing the same thing in Gaza. He's doing the same thing for the Palestinians, no doubt, in some of those involved in Hamas. Even them, I'm sure he's touching. He's, I know he's trying mm-hmm. to. Yeah. But what he's doing is he's taking this horrible tragedy of all the war, all the loss of home, loss of life, all this. Yes, it's horrible. We know that. But God takes the horrible. Again, he makes ashes into beauty. And God, this just confirms again, God is using this to save souls in Gaza. And I will say this. Look. If God has to allow the world to fall out from under us in order to get our attention or the world to fall out from under them, when you're talking about eternity, it's worth it. The temporary is temporary. Eternal is eternal. Don't worry about the temporary. Jesus is who to turn to today. And if you hadn't done that, I call on you to do it because the eternal is all that's going to matter. This is going to be gone very, very soon. Very soon. Pastor Mark, thank you as always. And folks, thanks for taking time to join us. And we pray that uh, you will have a blessed weekend in the Lord as you visit your local church and come back and visit us next Friday at 1.30 as we continue to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today are pointing to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Follow